Well, today we're uh, starting a special new ser- series for the summer called Summer Journey, and we're looking forward to this as we've just been, sh- just been told. It's primarily looking at Paul and the missionary journeys he was on, but there are going to be some other ser- uh, messages in there. So I'm going to read Ken's, Pastor Ken's introduction to this series, and then we're going to have uh, our time together, which will be a little more interactive this morning. We're supposed to be creative and fun, so we'll see how you do. That's the goal, okay? Creative, fun, and learning, and all led by the Spirit of God. Here we go. Here's Ken's introduction. The first followers of Jesus waited for the Holy Spirit in Jerusalem, as Jesus told them to. Then when the Holy Spirit came, they received a power and a passion to tell everyone about the good news of Jesus. Along with this came a level of persecution, which forced many of them to flee Jerusalem. And so they traveled. As they did, they told other Jewish people about Jesus, their their promised Messiah. Later, a new follower of Jesus was empowered to take things up a notch. His name is Paul. First Saul, you remember, and then Paul. And he traveled too. In fact, he traveled over all of the, the known world at that time. And he didn't limit his audience to just the Jewish people. The other folks, us, the Gentiles, were also included. This summer, we're going to drop in on some of the travels of the early church and mostly focus on Paul's travels and what we can learn from them. As we do, we'll be asking God to help us catch some of the spirit and the passion that Paul and others had as they encountered different people of different cultures, languages, and religions much like our situation today. So that's what we're going to do. And so as I said, we're, going to, we're supposed to do it creatively and with lots of fun. So we'll see how we do. So the first thing we're going to do is get you to join in groups of five or six. Everyone, you're, not going, to, you're going to have to move. Be creative. If, if you don't know people in your group, say hi, introduce yourself. A passport, money, those are good things. Accommodation, what else do you need? Luggage, destination. destination, you need to know where you're going. Some people don't like to have destinations. Well, they're, they're weird. <laughs> those free-spirited people who just go. I'm not one of those. Cell phone. What did we do before we had those cell phones? And you need food for the voyage. Well, this isn't, well, you might call this food. You need goodies. When you, didn't you go tra- when you were traveling, those of us who are older with kids, weren't you allowed to have special food that you normally couldn't have? For those of us of our generation, you know what it was in our family? We got to have sweet cereal. It wasn't just cornflakes or Rice Krispies anymore. You remember those little boxes? The little boxes? And they had, remember they had sugar pops? What were those chocolate ones called? Cocoa something? Captain Crunch? We got to have the good stuff and chocolate milk only on holidays. So here you go. Okay, what? This is just the overall region. What what part of the world was this in? Was this in Canada? No, it was not in Canada. Where? Asia Minor. Good answer. Any other descriptions? Rome was definitely part of it. Yeah. Roman Empire, that's, that's, not all the Roman Empire, it wasn't all the Roman Empire, yeah, the Middle East and Mediterranean area, Damascus, that's right, we're going to talk about Damascus, that's right, okay, next one, 
Name two countries. Talk to your group. Two countries. What are the two countries you visited? And, and mod modern day names for the countries. Pick two of them. Okay, name two countries. Anyone? Yeah. Groups in the back. Two countries. Anyone from the back there? Joe, name a country. Greece, yeah. Israel. Turkey. Syria. Iran. They didn't go that way. Oh, too bad. You could still have a lollipop. Okay, next one. Apostle Paul took a number of missionary journeys. How many did he take? Three. He took three and then he went to, someone already mentioned it, to Rome. All right. Okay, here's a harder one. These are all too easy. Journeys took place over a nine-year period. When was this? Bonus points if you can get the exact nine years. What scholars think? There's a little debate, but they think it's within a certain nine-year period. So talk to your group. Pick a nine-year period. We'll see who's closest. Well, the answer is 48 to 57. I think Alistair was the closest, and Nels was very close, too. There we go. All right, what's the next one? Name two cities you visited. Just shout them out. Rome, what are some other cities? Athens. Ephesus. Corinth. Damascus. London, England? No. <laughs> Vancouver? No. Jerusalem? Yeah. Antioch? Yeah, very good. What a knowledgeable crowd. Some of the journeys did not start from Jerusalem. Where did he start the other ones from? Oh, you guys are too good. From Antioch. There we go. All right. I think we've got our first map up here now. So here we are, those of you who are map geeks, map geeks like Ken. So the first one's in blue, the first one was a shorter one, started from Antioch, went to Cyprus. Uh, an important person got converted here, one of the first officials, a pro-council. I didn't know what a pro-council was, it sounded like a lawyer, but it actually it's not. It's, uh, it was like the, the senator, and uh, there was a... There was someone practicing, um, doing some bad things, and, and Paul cast the demon out, and this person came to faith. He went up to Italia Lydia. They're, uh, they're mistaken for gods up here. Remember that story? They, they healed a lame man, and so they started worshiping Paul and, and, uh, and Barnabas as Zeus and Hermes. Uh, so there we go. Then they were stoned. Uh, a, lot, a lot of terrible things happened. They went to Lystra. Derby, and uh, things were better there. A lot of folks came to faith and came back. Okay, I'm getting ahead of myself. I'm going to talk about some of that later. Second journey's in the red. Third journey in the purple. They got, they got consistently longer, and then the end, he went to Rome. So there you go. Syria, modern-day Turkey, Greece, and Italy are the main countries, Cyprus. There we go. All right. 
Sometimes, okay, we have another. Sometimes Paul stayed longer in the city. Can you remember one of the cities he stayed longer in? Ephesus. Ephesus. Very good. Top of the class, young man. How long did he stay in Ephesus? Two years and three months. All right. And he stayed, where else did he stay a long time? Corinth. A year and a half in Corinth, yeah. And Rome, he was in prison for two years, yeah. That way, though. On emphasis, on emphasis. Uh, Clever class. I'll never do this again. Okay. What were the two dominant cultures in the Middle East of this time? Yeah, I'm I'm hearing you say the Greek culture. The Greeks were, remember the Greek Empire from about 1200 B.C. up to Alexander the Great, 300 B.C. So those, remember all the Greek influence. The New Testament was written in Greek. So that was like the, the language of the educated, the, was the Greek language, and of course the Roman Empire. Israel was under the um, oppression of the Roman Empire. Those are the two dominant cultures at the time. So here's an interesting one. What was the population of the Roman Empire at this time? Within 10 million. Talk to your group for 10 seconds. Take a guess. What was the population? Population of the Roman Empire. Take a guess. What are your guesses? What's the population? Within 10 million. So it tells you it's a big number. Yeah, Sarah? 20, 25 million. What's another guess? 165. Not that large. No, not that large. Between 20. Yeah? York? Yeah. 5 million? No, larger than that. 15? No, larger than that, Peter? 40, you're getting closer. 50, yeah? What's that? It was between 50 and 80 million. Of those 50 to 80 million, only 7 million were free Roman citizens. Remember, remember how Paul said, you threw us in prison and beat us and we're Roman citizens? The guy went, uh-oh. It was a very special thing that Paul was a free Roman citizen. So, Okay. How many Jews were in the population? So we got 50 to 80 million in the Roman Empire. Little nation of Israel. How many? Take, it, take a guess. Within a million. How many people? How many Jewish? Okay. Yeah. Seven million. What's another guess? Any other guesses? Five. Five million, Ernie? Ernie got it. Five million. So about 10% or even less of the population of the empire. So you have this little tiny nation of Israel amidst the big, powerful Roman Empire. And within this little tiny is, you know, Jewish nation, you got this tiny little sect and this guy named Jesus. So it's quite amazing that they expanded so quickly. So, here we go. So now we'll take a closer look at a couple of these journeys. So, the next one. There it is. The first, so this is the first missionary journey I already started talking about. I talked about the proconsul. He went up here. There's, there's opposition to the gospel. They, had, they went to, to uh, Iconium and Lystra. And they're mistaken for gods. And then they're stoned. And uh, Derby, there were more people came to faith there. And then they came back again overseas. So, 
This was the first missionary journey. So how long was this journey? Within a hundred miles. You just saw the map? Easy, right? Within a hundred miles or kilometers, how long was that first missionary journey? Any guesses? Say kilometers. Yeah, we're in Canada. Kilometers. 1,400 kilometers over land and sea. How long did they travel on average in a day? Didn't have an electric car, any car. No planes, trains, or automobiles. They covered an average of 24 kilometers a day. 24 kilometers a day. So that's how you went to the next city. You walked 24 kilometers a day. So there you go. Okay, then the second missionary journey. So this one, the first one started in Antioch. This one starts in Judea, down in Jerusalem. Goes up to Damascus again. Goes to Antioch again. And this is, oh, they had the Council of Jerusalem in chapter 50. Oh, I didn't tell you the chapters. So first missionary journey was thir chapter 13 and 14. Then we have the Council of Jerusalem. Many of you know that story in chapter 15. And then they get up to Antioch and they had the big disagreement between Paul and Barnabas about whether to take John Mark with them. And so they went separate ways. So Paul takes Silas and Barnabas takes John Mark. And then the rest of this journey is Paul and S Silas. And go up to, up to the same area again, Derby, you know, and then back to Lystra, and this is where Timothy joins the scene. Picks up the young disciple named Timothy, and then, he's, and then there was this prayer. Remember, the, remember Paul had a vision. He was prevented to go to the Bithynians, it said, and then he had a vision to go to Macedonia. And so he goes all the way up here to Troas and up to Philippi. Uh, yeah, you got, the, you got the vision here. A lot of things happened in Philippi. Uh, what happened in Philippi? Anyone remember? I'm going to look at my notes again. Philippi, they, they met Lydia, the woman who sold the purple cloth. They cast out the, uh, the demon out of the slave girl, and then the owner got upset with them because he lost his source of income, and so they threw them in jail. They got beaten. And then, that was the jail story. Remember the jail story? So they're singing and praising God at midnight, and an earthquake happened. Their chains fell off, and what was the jailer going to do? He was going to kill himself because he thought he was going to lose his job. And he said, no, 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 we're still here. And he said, what do I need to do to come to faith? And he comes to faith. Wonderful story. They go to Thessalonica. For, of course, we know from the books of Thessalonians, and he got more trouble there. Then they went to Berea. I think Ray's speaking on this one, because the Bereans were more noble. Remember that phrase? Than the others. And why were they so? They actually had open minds. They didn't just reject it automatically, and they searched the scriptures for themselves. So the Bereans, many of them came to faith. Went down to Athens. And what did he discover in Athens? Everyone was worshiping some kind of god, all these idols. And he went to the, how do you, spell, how do you pronounce this word, Oropagus? And he said, I'm going to teach you about the unknown God and spoke about the Lord. Down to Corinth, over back to Ephesus, where he spent a couple of years and then went back to Jerusalem. So there we go. That was the second journey. It was a couple of years, yeah. Well, no, it was two years in Ephesus. Um, I had that somewhere. Great question, but I don't have it right in front of me. A um, few years, yeah. How long was this one? Any guesses? 16,000 kilometers. It's 
So there you go. You can do the math. You can add a couple of years for Ephesus, and you got a lot of days there. <laughs> yeah, plus, plus a boat. So, and then the third, and then each, each journey got longer. Oh, there we go. Yeah. And then the third missionary journey starts in Antioch again, goes up to the same areas, spends some time in Ephesus again. They do some miracles there. Oh, Demet the story of Demetrius happens in Ephesus. So that's where, they, that's where he was upset because people were starting to worship Jesus and so he was taking away the business of the, uh, of the silversmiths who were building idols. They didn't like that. That was their source of income. So they had created a big riot and, uh, and then, they, then they finally had to flee and then they came to Ephesus again and then they... Uh, they um, they were weeping because he says, you're not going to see them again. Because Paul started to get warnings. He said he, he knew the Lord was calling him to go back to Jerusalem. But prophets along the way were starting to say, don't go back to Jerusalem. You're going to be arrested. And Paul's answer was, if I get arrested, I get arrested. This is what God's calling me to do. So, so there you go. A quick, very quick overview of the journeys. And now we're going to, find, now we're going to look at one other way. If we can put up the Bible project. Uh, we're not going to do a sermon on it because we've kind of had uh, some fun doing some interaction. So I'm just going to read it to you. So just listen to the words because this is an amazing man who not only became such a powerful leader and missionary leader, but this is how he came to faith himself. Meanwhile, Saul, was, his name first was Saul, was breathing out murderous threats against the Lord's disciples. He went to the high priest and asked him for letters to the synagogues in Damascus so that if he found any there who belonged to the way, whether men or women, he might take them as prisoners to Jerusalem. As he neared Damascus on his journey, suddenly a light from heaven flashed around him. He fell to the ground and heard a voice say to him, Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? Who are you, Lord? He said, I am Jesus, whom you are persecuting. Now get up and go into the city, and you'll be told what you must do. The man, men traveling with Saul stood there speechless. They heard the sound, but did not see anyone. Saul got up from the ground, but when he opened his eyes, he could see nothing. So they led him by the hand into Damascus. For three days he was blind and did not eat or drink anything. In Damascus there was a disciple named Ananias. The Lord called to him in a vision, Ananias! Yes, Lord, he answered. The Lord told him, Go to the house of Judas on Straight Street and ask for a man from Tarsus named Saul, for he is praying. In a vision, he has seen a man named Ananias come and place his hands on him to restore his sight. Lord, Ananias said, I have heard many reports about this man and all the harm he has done to your holy people in Jerusalem. And he's come here with authority from the chief priests to arrest all who call on your name. But the Lord said to Ananias, Go, this man is my chosen instrument to proclaim my name to the Gentiles and their kings and to the people of Israel. I will show him how much he must suffer for my name. Then Ananias went to the house and entered it. Placing his hands on Saul, he said, Brother Saul, the Lord Jesus who appeared to you on the road as you were coming here has sent me so that you may see again and be filled with the Holy Spirit. Immediately something like scales fell from Saul's eyes and he could see again. He got up and was baptized and after taking some food, he regained his strength. He spent several days with the disciples in Damascus. It's a powerful story and we've, some of us have heard it many times but uh, when we reflect on this, 
think of how he, the Lord had to do a lot to get Saul's attention. Ask yourselves, do we have to get hit over the head in the same way? And, uh, and think for those of us who, who think we can't be used by the Lord, look what, look what the Lord did with someone who persecuted the church. Look what the Lord did through Ananias. He said, not him, Lord. He's been persecuting the church. The Lord's ways are often not our ways. I want to talk just for a moment. We're going to go in, into a few minutes of prayer just to finish our time together. And, um, but it's interesting, as I was thinking and reflecting on this this morning, Damascus is actually considered by many to be the oldest uh, city in the world. It's, certainly, it's considered the oldest capital city in the world. And it was a beautiful city for, for centuries. It was called the Pearl of the Orient, the place where the water was gathered. If you could put up the picture there, Judy. A few pictures of how beautiful Damascus has been as a city in the past. Well, we all know what's happening in Syria right now. The terrible civil war since 2011. And um, this is Damascus today. Some of you know the ranking, the world ranking that The Economist magazine does about the best cities in the world to live in. Vancouver has been in the top 10 for many years. It's been number five again this year. We could have an interesting discussion about that. But um, there's 140 cities on this list of this ranking of cities in the world, including Damascus. Where's Damascus on this list right now? 140. It's the last place. It's very tragic what's happening there. So I'd like this to, in our small groups, we're going to go into a time of prayer. We're going to share a few other things to pray for. But one of the things to pray for is, is for Damascus and other war-torn areas in the world. In, in, in spirit of these missionary journeys, let's pray for where we are. As we go through this summer, let's pray that God would use us and his other people in Richmond and Vancouver in this area to reach out to others in the name of Christ. Let's uh, remember the names of, needs of Emmanuel. Um, you know, I think, I think what we'll do is we'll watch the video and then I'll come back and mention the needs of Emmanuel as well. But we're also going to pray for uh, Christian captives this day in the, in the persecuted church. Last week was the 25th anniversary for Open Doors and a lot of the work that they do. Karen Gunn has shared some of this work with us before. So in light, thinking of Saul and how he persecuted the church and how we live in such a privileged place of the world, we're going to show one more little short video that talks about some of our brothers and sisters' plight in other places in the world. And then, uh, and then I'll come back and we'll, and we'll have some prayer time. So if we could show that video, please, that would be great. My mother, you should not be disturbed. I know it is not easy missing me, but I want to assure you that I am fine where I am. My God, whom we have been praying to, is showing himself mighty in my trying moment. I know your words to me during our morning devotions that God is very close to people in pain. I am witnessing this now. These are the words of Leah Sherabu when she was just 14 years old. Leah and over a hundred other girls were kidnapped from their school in Nigeria by an extremist group in 2018. Soon after this mass kidnapping, nearly all of the girls were released, except for Leah. She was not let go because she was the only Christian and at the age of just 14 years old, she refused to deny her faith in Jesus. She sent this message to her parents when she realized she would not be released. It has now been five years, and Leah is still in captivity. She has been declared a slave for life to the extremist group that took her away from everything she knows. 
yet she holds on to the hope and the truth that God is close to people in pain, and she is not forgotten. In Hebrews 13.3, it says, Remember those in prison as if you were together with them in prison, and those who are mistreated as if you yourselves were suffering. The unfortunate reality is that there are thousands of Leahs around the world, thousands that face captivity and imprisonment targeted because of their faith in Jesus Christ. In the last year, more than 4,000 Christians were detained without trial, arrested, sentenced, and imprisoned, and more than 5,000 were abducted. These Christians are taken away from their families, communities, and churches, and are cast aside in isolation, left to face their captors without support. Their lives are uprooted, and they are left to face a darkness that wants to steal their light. The families that they leave behind are devastated and often without answers or updates as they fight for the rescue and release of their loved ones. It feels like there is heartbreak on every side of these situations, but when we feel helpless, we know where our help comes from. So today, we remember them and we pray. We pray for those taken and those they leave behind. For those in prison or held captive, we pray for their strength, that they will be filled with peace and a sense of God's presence. We pray for their protection, that God would watch over them. We pray for their release and for their healing from the trauma and pain they've experienced. For families that are left vulnerable, we pray that God would comfort them despite the fear and uncertainty they experience. We pray for safety and provision, that God would meet their needs. And for all of them, most of all, we pray that each one would remain firmly rooted in Christ. We pray to stand one with prisoners, captives, their families, their churches, and their communities. One with them. Here are the things for us to pray for in our groups. As we think of these needs all over the world and our brothers and sisters over the world, also pray for needs in our own community. Remember uh, Susan Prosiak and her needs and struggles with her own ongoing needs and she'll probably be going into, she's preparing to have dialysis in a few weeks. Uh, Nick Migraine is still not doing well, for those of you who know Nick with his cancer. Ellie Hers and, and her cancer, of course, the Hers family. Colleen uh, James, her sister passed away, her, her brother-in-law, her sister's husband passed away, remember, their family. Jesse Bowen, some of you know the, know the Bowen family very well, and it does not look good for Jesse. Um, so we're basically praying for a miracle at this point. Those of you know Garth and, and Barb, let's remember Jesse and remember the family. For Donna Daniluk as she moves, and anything else that the Lord brings to your mind. So take, let's, we're not going to rush this, let's take a few minutes in our groups. If, if you're not comfortable praying out loud, that's totally fine, just others in the group can pray. But whoever would like to pray, let's pray for these things. Pray for our nation, Canada, Canada Day weekend, and these things we've talked about this morning. So just pray for a few minutes and then I'll close this. The worship team can come up. Lord God, thank you for the gift of this time. Thank you that you care for all of these things both locally here and all over the world as we've shared. We pray for your, for your mercy, for your wisdom, for your direct intervention.
Help us to be mindful and sensitive to your spirit this summer, to all that you're doing. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.